You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 100. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing the Wool Academy podcast host, Lisa Von Delden. I very much enjoyed getting to know Lisa over the years and I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about herself and what she does with the podcast. So jumping right in, could you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do in the wool industry? Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for um, being the host of today's episode. Actually, we are celebrating episode 100, so you and I thought it would be maybe a nice idea that um, today we do something different and that you interview me. So to answer your question, yeah, I'm, I go by two names, either Elizabeth Van Delden or Lisa Van Delden. And um, yeah, usually I am the host of the Will Canary podcast, as you already said, and while this is just kind of my side hobby, I earn, or what I do in the wool industry is that I help as a freelancer, wool industry businesses communicate successfully online. So that means I build websites, I create content, write blogs, etc. So that's in a nutshell what I do in the wool industry at the moment. Yes, yes. And you do a very good job of that, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So how did you get started in the wool industry? Yeah, that's, I guess, a little bit of a longer story. I, well, to give you a background, I used, I started studying in Berlin communications. And after that, I worked for three years as a PR consultant in Düsseldorf in Germany. And after these three years, I decided to go back to university and I started studying strategic fashion marketing at the London College of Fashion. And part of this degree was, of course, also to write a thesis. And this was in 2010, which was also the same year that the campaign for wool started. And I was in the library trying to come up with a topic for my thesis and I noticed all these articles in Twist magazine, in Ecotextile News about the campaign for wool. And I became very interested in in this topic of um, yeah, sustainability and a whole industry um, working together to, to showcase the sustainability of the industry. So I started writing my thesis about corporate social responsibility on an industry level and took the wool industry as an example. And then the research part was to do expert interviews. And one of the experts that I interviewed actually was the general director of the International Wool Textile Organization, IWTO. We've had guests from, from IWTO and mentioned them several times already on the show. And when I was finished with my thesis, the director general asked me to to come and visit the office in Brussels and just present my work. And that's how the connection was made. And just a few months later, I was actually hired to work as a communications manager for the organization. 
And then just as coincidence would have it, a few months later, the director general left. And a few months after that, I was actually appointed as the successor. Um, and yeah, then I worked for five wonderful years in the wool industry for IWTO. So that's how I got into the wool industry. And I remember when I was like in between handing in my thesis and having to find a job, I said to my parents, like, oh, I, the only place I actually want to work in is for the wool industry and ideally also for IWTO. So um, I was very narrow on what I wanted, but luckily <laughs> I had the opportunity to, to do just that. So I was very lucky and fortunate. And yeah, I had a wonderful time meeting so many interesting people working in wool. Yes, who who knew just just kind of almost on a whim looking through and say seeing you know things um about wool and seeing the campaign for wool and deciding that that you could have a career in the wool yeah, industry yeah. but very yeah that's very true. exciting and yeah you probably one of the most you uh, probably one of the most unique ways Although uh, with the, your guests on the podcast, it is always funny hearing how people got started in the wool industry, mm. but quite a bit different from growing up on a sheep farm and then just that being <laughs> the pathway. Yeah, that's so. that's your path, right? You <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I had that path. I think that would have uh, given me more time working and living in wool, but um, yeah, I, I found my way somehow into the wool industry as well, yeah. Yeah, no, but I think it's, I think it's, it's very, I still think it's very interesting and very good. And it's exciting to see that wool has something going for it that we can attract people who weren't necessarily yeah, that's true. able to grow up on a sheep farm. So. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we do need different perspectives on the wooden tree, so everyone who um, brings a different background can, can contribute in a way. Yes, yes, very much so. So how did you come up with the idea for the Wool Academy podcast? I think it started around 2015. That I think I just then only discovered podcasts for myself and I kind of became obsessed with listening to podcasts I I like in the morning when I would get up I would start listening to one and on the way to work and also after work and also some of the podcasts I was listening to were actually also about you know starting your own business or starting your own podcast so towards like I, I left IW2 in 2016 so already in 2015 I was um thinking about my next career move basically because the situation was that my my husband was living in Germany and I was living in Brussels mm -hmm. in Belgium and we had um, by then already been married for over a year and, and had actually never lived together so I, we thought okay it's time <laughs> that something in this situation has to change and and we said well we don't really want to move to Brussels we do see a future more in Germany so then I decided okay for me I'm also ready for a career change the the years at IWTO were great but I also wanted to have a new challenge so I decided to start my own consulting business uh, in communications and 
and because I was also so obsessed with podcasts, I thought, oh, it could be also a nice idea to, for me to create content, um, partially to promote my business, but also basically because I felt that through my job at IWTO, I had met so many wonderful people and I had developed this big network that it, I was in a unique position to actually, um, you know, tell the stories of all these wonderful people that I met and tell the wonderful stories about um, the wool industry. So that's pretty much how I came up with, with the idea. I then started researching all on what I had to do, on like what recording devices I needed, what kind of a website I would need. And yeah, kind of self-taught myself um, how to put this podcast together. And then I think I, st I started being a freelancer in May of 2016. And then by November 2016 was when I first launched my podcast. So um, yeah, I think I just kind of felt I had this, this obligation and this opportunity to tell these wonderful stories um, of the wool industry. Yes, I would say, um, and I think this will fall in line with it. But it was was it was it ever difficult coming up with guests, or because um, of your time at IWTO? Yeah. Was so in the beginning, it was super easy because I pretty much interviewed everyone that I knew very well, um, and people mm -hmm. were happy um, to be a guest. Obviously, the more episodes I had, um, then I had to look for people that I didn't yet know and and then I partially either met new people at the IWTO events, sometimes also guests introduced me to other potential guests or I just came across, you know, interesting brands or also on Instagram some interesting companies or people. So then I just, yeah, kind of cold called, <laughs> like wrote to them uh, without knowing them. Um, but yeah, you're right that in the beginning it was a little bit easier and obviously now, yeah, it's a sometimes a little bit more work. Um, yeah. Guess, yeah. And can you take us behind the scenes of the Wool Academy podcast? How does each episode come about? Yeah, so it's a whole um, process that's always the same. As I said earlier, I, I have this kind of, list of people that I I would like to interview it's actually quite long and I have mm -hmm. <laughs> I still have a lot of people on there but um, so then I go you know every so now and then I go through the list kind of deciding who I want to interview next and then I prepare already questions so without having yet contacted them and knowing if they would say yes or no I already prepare the questions because I think it's it reduces the kind of the reservations someone might have if they already see the questions so that's how then yeah. I approach them by email mainly um, of course sometimes when I'm at an event I already you know make a first contact and, and ask if they would be interested and then yeah it can then sometimes either be very quick that people confirm and we arrange a time and a date for the interview but also I've had some interview guests where I think we've negotiated for half a year to, for them to have time to be on the show. But it was always worth it. And I appreciate that people are sometimes really, really busy and they want to take the time. So I, I yeah, I stayed uh, committed to following up. And then the, yeah, the 
recording happens by Skype. Um, some recordings, for example, the one that you and I did uh, was, of course, live or sometimes at the IWTO Congress, I would do live record or in-person recordings. But otherwise, everything is on Skype. So I have my recording machine and a mixer here on my desk. And then, yeah, it works quite nicely um, just to do the, the interview by Skype. Then once the interview is recorded, I cut and edit it. So I add, you know, the this is the number of so-and-so and I add the music and I speak um, sometimes an introduction or an, uh, I call it outro. I don't know how to say what it is called at the end of the, the podcast. And then I also have to prepare the website. So put up a picture, add, you know, content about the person I've interviewed. And once it's launched, then I also do some social media work to promote the podcast. So that's pretty much the schedule that it goes through. But this can sometimes, you know, be over a very long period of time. Sometimes I, I batch um, a few interviews and then it takes time until they are released. So this kind of spreads over my days and weeks, uh, each individual step. Yeah. It does sound, it does sound like it's quite the process from start to finish and trying to coordinate people's schedules and time zones and and then even once you have the interview done, then um, there's still several more steps to take. So with that, did you ever run into any technical hiccups that you've had to deal with through the podcast? Yeah, and I think I, I had to laugh today when you and I were. Um have were scheduled to meet actually i couldn't get my record my voice to be recorded <laughs> so there's always <laughs> that uh, and uh, yeah that issue of, of technology failing me but um, <laughs> yeah i guess each before each interview i do always a little test recording so just to make sure everything works but then of course you never know what you need to expect on the other side of the um of the yeah the person you're interviewing so sometimes their skype isn't working and they can't get like i can't hear them or they can't hear me um then we have you sometimes lose the internet connection or you have a lot of um, random static noise that was actually unfortunately the interview i did with klaus steger in the end i couldn't you know put it up as a podcast i had to note it all down as a written interview because we had so much background noise it sounded as <laughs> if there was a monsoon in the background and and funnily enough <laughs> yeah i don't know what happened there but funnily enough i often do interviews with people who are you know in new zealand or australia or you now you are based in south africa right now and the connection is so clear as if we were sitting next to each other and sometimes when i do an interview with a person in germany then we have the worst connection and it's really bad so I don't know what's happening there um, and then one <laughs> another issue sometimes is that people move while they talk so they fiddle about with papers that where they took notes or they're just moving their hands or their mouse or keyboard and then of course that all gets recorded as well so sometimes I have to ask them could you please stop fidgeting because <laughs> we hear all that in the background <laughs> Um, so that's one thing. And of course, also my dog, Cooper, uh, sometimes like he would maybe bark or, bark or scratch on my door or something. That's 
another um, technical <laughs> problem sometimes. But yeah, that, that's pretty much what what yeah can happen. And so far, I was I always thought oh, I'm sure for sure going to once forget to press record, but somehow that hasn't happened yet. So knock on wood for that one. <laughs> Well, that's good. Was there one that was there, was there one that was there was crickets in the background? Yeah, yeah, that was with Beverly Henry. Um, she was based in Brisbane, and somehow she had it was evening her time, and she, the crickets were really, really loud. Or also one one time, I think that wasn't on the recording, but we had to stop the recording with Stephen Wiedemann. All of a sudden, someone started lawing his mowing his lawn. Um, so we had to stop. <laughs> and we had to tell the person, uh, "Sorry, but we're doing an interview." Um, yeah, these things can happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! All the things, all the things that that become part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how much time do you spend preparing each podcast? Yeah, I actually only started um, recording kind of my time because I I found this new tool to to record my hours also for my clients so then I out of interest just started recording also the time that I spend on the podcast and I've seen now that like in July and as well as in August I, I spend 12 hours per month hours per month on the podcast so I guess that yeah okay. it's then around if you if we calculate four podcasts per month then it's around eight uh, three hours per per episode kind of with everything yeah. from start to finish yeah. Yeah, I was saying, but you know, three hours over, however many days. Yeah, um, yeah depending on the interview. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, spread out. Yeah, could be some w one week where I hardly do anything, and then another week where I do more. Sometimes, you know, I, I prepare interview questions on one for several people on one afternoon. So, yeah, it spreads out more flexibly. Yeah. And. I know, I would say, this is something I always wonder about a lot of podcasts, um, which ones, um, if, if people do earn money through the podcast, um, I know some of them have advertisers, but so with your podcast, do have you earned any money through the podcast? No, I haven't. Um, I think in the very first episodes, I, I included the Wool Room as a sponsor, although there was no like money um, exchange, I kind of did it to test I wanted to kind of see if you know if people responded because we gave I think a promotional code for products and to see if people respond um, and use that but at, I think after 10 or so episodes I, I didn't include the sponsorship anymore and so, yeah obviously I'm a I'm a really small podcast as I said in the beginning I, we just have reached uh, 20,000 downloads overall and I mean, some of the big podcasts have, you know, a million downloads on a day or something like that. So obviously, it's very different dimensions. Mm, I guess I could have tried to to find a sponsor or to monetize the podcast, but I that wasn't a focus of mine or not a priority to to invest time in. So right now, it's it's more of a cost to my business, but I see it as a in kind of an investment for me, you know, my my personal marketing and the opportunity to, to constantly put out content and 
And that actually sometimes people do, you know, come and contact me and say, yeah, I keep seeing that you post on social media. And and so it, it's my investment for yeah, yeah. marketing and putting up content. Yeah. Yes, which actually leads very nicely into my next question for you. Your listeners, are they just people from the wool industry or um, do you, are you able to know who listens to the podcast? Well, I do have um, statistics um, that come along with the, the website and I can see how many downloads I have and I can see from where the downloads happen, but I don't know anything else about them. So I can tell you that by far the largest number of listeners are from the US. And then the, the second country are people from Australia, then followed by the UK, Canada and Germany. But the US is really the biggest um, amount of, of listeners. And I think it has to do that podcasts are really well accepted and used in the US it's quite common to to listen to podcasts there so that's my explanation why there's such a big following um, from the US I don't know you're also from the US originally would you say that that is accurate yes I actually um I think I started listening to podcasts in 2015 as well mm-hmm. uh, it was a former flatmate that got me um, switched on to listening to them. Um, we used to do car rides all around Montana, and she'd always ask, "Can we listen to a podcast instead <laughs> of um, instead of music?" And so it got me started listening to them because they because they do they work very well for for long road trips. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's there's always things things to be learned, and and then since there are so many different um, topics, mm-hmm. um, like like yours um you can you can learn about anything and everything yeah Um, Yeah. (laughs) what has been your most popular podcast well that that i can also see in my statistics and i think i i want to give my answers in two uh two different answers because obviously a few episodes I have um, repeated because sometimes, you know, I went on a holiday and then I would <laughs> replay an episode from the archives. So if you and if I then count together kind of the first and the second recording, then the most listened to the top three were the ones of Peter Ackroyd, then also mm-hmm. Francesco Botto Puala and Mac Bishop. Mm-hmm. So all of these three episodes I've repeated and because of the accumulation of those two, um, they are the top three. But then I've also had a look at individual downloads and there it was actually the very first episode with Ulrike Bayer who um, has this babywear label based in, in mm-hmm. China. Then the second one was Morten Dilling from Dilling Underwear and the uh-huh. third uh, one was Marco and Giovanni Schneider from the Schneider Group. So that I found quite mm. interesting that um, it's very, like, those results are quite different. Um, but, yeah. 
that's kind of in two parts uh, the most downloaded episodes what i don't know of course is if everybody who downloads it also listens to it i can only yeah say <laughs> that it's downloads yeah so what so you've uh, so you've actually said how many downloads you've had which is very exciting mm -hmm. that You've gotten to 20,000? Yeah, and, um, yeah, and I, I said earlier before we started our, our talk today that it, it, I thought it was such a coincidence that today we're actually recording this on 17th of September. We're going to release this a little bit later. But that actually on the day that we have scheduled our interview um, for episode 100, we have 20,000 downloads. Yeah, that's quite exciting. <laughs> yes, I think that's very exciting. I also had a few extra downloads because I was traveling this weekend, so mm -hmm. Thank um, you for that. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit behind, so I need to, I need to catch up. But I'll be on the road again tomorrow, so I shouldn't, shouldn't be too far off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what you said earlier that it's, it's good for a road trip. I, I would, yeah, I agree that that because sometimes I get feedback, oh, because my podcasts are between twenty and forty minutes long, and some people you know, say, oh, but it's so long and nobody listens to such a long, you know, interview, etc. if I could do something in five or ten minutes. But I, and I think that argument is also true, but it always depends on when you're listening. And I think for some activities like, you know, walking the dog or going running or going on a, on a trip in your car, you would listen longer, um, and of course, when you're in the office trying to listen to something, you wouldn't want to listen for such a long time. But I always felt that I prefer to go in depth with the interviews and not just, you know, scratch a little bit on the surface in five to ten minutes. So I kept, yeah, even though I got a little bit this feedback, I kept going for 20 to 40 minutes interviews. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, um, on some of my longer runs, I seek out long podcasts because I want something to kind of keep my mind off of the long run. So if mm -hmm. I want to go for 10Ks, it usually takes me about an hour. So I try to find a podcast that's going to take that hour. Yeah. So then, um, then I kind of don't think about the running and I'm so ingrained in, in the podcast that it's, that then the next thing you know, you've ran 10 Ks and you don't, you don't even know that you ran 10 Ks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I, I personally do enjoy some of the longer podcasts mm. for, for that reason. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And most people I saw, you, I can also see like on which devices people download and most of them are on, on an iOS or on an uh, Apple phone. Um, so, so that also shows that people are listening on the on the move or on the run, so to say, not on their desktop. But. Oh, so what has which what has your favorite podcast been? <laughs> um, well, I guess I like to uh, to interview people um, who about or like from a background or about topics that I personally don't know so much about. So. Obviously, in the beginning of the, when I started the podcast, I often interviewed people that I knew very well and where I knew their topics, you know, and content very well. But now, lately, when I had to approach more people that I didn't yet know, that was when what I really enjoyed. Because, for example, when I interviewed Adam Dawes from the Falkland Islands, um, mm -hmm. you know, I've never had 
the opportunity before to learn anything about the woodland stream in the Falkland Islands, so that was really special art. Um, the last week I've just published the one from Gudrun Rokvadotir from the Faroe Islands, so that was also you know, something really different. And then I like also interviews with people who, who you know, bring a really new and different approach to the woodland trees. So for example, the, my interview with Ben Watts, who, who's using drones and other tracking devices you know, to improve animal welfare and on-farm on management. Or also Daryl Potro Smith, who, who ha invented this product that makes wool more moisture absorbent. So that's you know what excites me when there's you know a really new approach and lots of innovation happening. And then the the third topic that I really um, find interesting and also very important is is you know sustainability. So then I love I really enjoyed my my talk with Ingun Grimstad Klepp from mm -hmm. from Norway. And actually another episode that it's, it will be published next week is with Rebecca Burgess from from California. Um, and she also has a very new and different perspective on sustainability. So that, yeah, I find inspiring and, and really inspira yeah, inspirational if someone brings, you know, a new perspective, a different way of thinking of how we should and could do things in the wool industry. Yes, I know I personally get ideas from your podcast on different different ways of doing different things and or just even a different mindset to take um, towards towards the wool industry and towards how we speak to consumers and mm -hmm. and just taking into consideration other people's mindsets yeah. so did you have a favorite so far oh that's a good question <laughs> you can think about it and we can answer it in the end yeah um, no, I think, I think the one, I, uh, I would say one of your most downloaded, um, probably because, um, it was very relevant to, to me at the time, um, your interview with Francesco, mm -hmm. um, because of the work that I did at the New Zealand Merino company, mm -hmm. um, and they worked quite closely together. And so then I, sometimes, you know, when you, when you're working in a, in a country like New Zealand, but working with global brands, then gaining a better understanding and perspective of, of the end brand that's then taking it forward. Um, I've always found that very mm. insightful. Yeah. So that was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. I also enjoyed that one very much. Yeah, that's true. Yes. And of course it's always also easier when you get to talk to someone who's a good storyteller because sometimes people are either a little bit shy or, or it's just not you know their their nature to to give elaborate answers so then you also as an interviewer you know you just get a short answer and then you're like uh okay now i have to ask my next question yeah, yeah. and that's of course more enjoyable when when you have someone who who yeah can tell great stories and make the answer very interesting yes yes so um what have been the challenges that you faced uh, through the podcast, or the, you know, the benefits maybe to your business, um, then that you've seen over the course of the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess the challenges is really in finding the time 
to really put a new episode out there every week. And I think it was important to commit to to keeping a schedule of laun launching a podcast every every week. But at the same time, it was of course also demanding. And you are, I mean, right now I'm trying to to prepare so much in advance that you know I have like four recordings ahead of time. But I remember in, in last year or so. I actually, it was Thursday and I, I didn't have a new recording yet and I recorded <laughs> an interview, it was the one with Beverly Henry, on that Thursday and published it the same day, a little bit later than usual, obviously, but um, enough, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, taking the energy and, and committing to, to putting a podcast every, every, out there every week, so that's kind of the challenge. And then, yeah, the benefits is... On the one hand, what we just said earlier, that it, it helps expand my own knowledge, it helps me expand my network. And it's actually quite a nice way, you know, to approach people saying, oh, I have this podcast, <laughs> could, could we talk? Um, <laughs> it gives a good reason to approach people randomly. Um, so, and then, yeah, some, of course, some, I guess I enjoy the interview part the most. Um, Because sometimes after a good conversation, I, I also feel really inspired and motivated. Um, yeah, so, and, and what I think, think I mentioned that earlier as well, that, you know, sometimes people do approach me for, you know, a way, like asking if there's a way to work together because they saw that I pull out the content. So it's, for me, is the, the main benefit for my business is that I get, to you know remind people yeah i'm still around i'm active <laughs> i'm doing things um so that yeah that's pretty much the main benefit for my business besides the other ones that are more for my personal development i would say there's nothing better than a than a very inspiring podcast that's one way when i'm running it isn't very helpful yeah, scuba is, walking. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I would say that's far more exciting than the sound that hopefully isn't getting into the podcast from them doing something outside of my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the challenges. Of, um, I think they're always we working. discussed earlier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they're always working on something outside of my office, though, so there's probably never a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's one thing with, with running. If it's I have to to try to re remember the ideas from the podcast or I just just remind myself to listen to it again when I have a pen and paper or mm. you know some way to to keep track of 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 my findings so mm. then I remember to apply them yeah that's right we always need to reflect. you are yeah. <laughs> yes yes you often ask similar questions to different guests Did you see any particular themes that popped up throughout your yeah. podcast? Yeah, um, I did. So I think one thing that I saw coming up again and again is this this need for transparency. or And I'm not always sure if it comes from the consumer who want to know more or if it's driven by brands, but... In the bottom line, there is this this need for people to who want to know more about wool, how it is produced, where it comes from, who's behind 
the the supply chain um, so that would be one trend that I kind of see that the need for transparency and and I'm guessing it, it's to do with with how our society is developing in general because of the internet the mobile phones it it's it is possible now to know everything and to to have all that background so because it's possible people also want that so i think that's one learning um that that we have to more and more be transparent about our businesses and how we do things in the wool industry and yeah and that kind of leads also to to this other pattern or or theme that I, that i thought came up again and again is is the importance of storytelling and i think storytelling you know offers then transparency so how that we need to you know tell the story behind the product tell the story of how we produce things how things are made who are the people behind the product um and i i think like to give you a few examples who where i thought you know this is very beautifully done one is for example Ch Chantel McAllister and the other one is James Brazel who, who both you know do these amazing photographs in the shearing sheds and you know they're so successful with this kind of storytelling and I think that that is a good inspiration of of, of their of how things can be done um, yeah and then of course also brands you know like Duckworth, where they they're doing from sheep to shop and and they're telling the whole story so yeah i think that's that's another theme and this is also what i then actually do with my clients that i work with that we're trying to you know make visible everything there is in the supply chain so yeah, those transparency and storytelling would be the two things that i saw coming up again and again Yes, and you um, mentioning Chantelle McAllister, I very much enjoyed that podcast because I follow I followed her photos for years, mm -hmm. and so it's nice to, um, even though she does do a, a pretty good job of of being very transparent, but even just having uh, the podcast to just even learn a little bit more about her and um, gain a better understanding of of what she's what she's doing in Australia. That was. Um, mm -hmm. I was very happy that she was one of your guests. <laughs> and I guess just hearing her voice, because when you follow her on Instagram or on Facebook, then you, you can read, you can see her, and you can kind of get her how you know her sense of humor, etc. But then hearing someone's voice give, adds another layer of, of their personality. So that, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> so. But I can honestly say I don't think there has been a single um podcast episode that I thought oh this one this one wasn't so good even if it even if it was somebody who I already knew and maybe knew what they were doing mm -hmm. I think every single one even of the people that I knew there was something different that I learned about them mm -hmm. um which which always made it exciting and, and enticing then to still listen and then people who I knew of and and didn't know much about them the podcast was for me at least a great way to to get to know them better oh, um, without mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah and do you have future plans for the podcast or your business or 
anything. Yeah, and <laughs> this is maybe a little bit strange when we just celebrated 20,000 downloads and episode 100. But I actually plan on on stopping with the podcast towards the end of the year. Um, it's been a hard decision, but I feel, uh, you know, every so now and then so you need to make space for in order to develop new ideas and to have time for new projects. So I felt it's been two wonderful years with the podcast, um, but now it's time to, to you know focus on other things. So I still have a few episodes lined up and a few people that I've been in contact with that I still want to interview. But then I think towards the end of the year, um, we will hear at some point the last episode um, of the Wool Academy. Yeah, and then I think one thing I, I always wanted to do and never had the time was to, um, to kind of go back at each episode and and maybe you know do a little bit more analysis of uh, what you just asked me earlier if I saw any certain patterns or themes. So maybe you know kind of because there's so much content and I think there's there's more to to you know emerge from there so I think I will write a few blog posts where the the interviews will be a basis um, and then I also started I don't even remember if it was this year or last year I started a, a blog called Wu Lifestyle and that is more about where I write about products um, more you know with a consumer audience in mind and I, I realized I always wanted to do that blog but I realized you know doing the podcast and that blog is really time consuming and difficult so I think that's also one reason I, I want to you know, stop with the podcast but then have more time to focus a little bit on that blog and see where that goes and one of my my big goals is also to at some point have my own wool product brand and I don't yet know what it is but that's also one reason <laughs> why I want to you know take a little bit more time to be able to work on that vision and that goal um, yeah and anybody listening who wants to team up with developing a cool wool product <laughs> is welcome to contact me as well but yeah those are kind <laughs> of the projects I have in mind to be working on no, I think that's 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 very exciting, and and I'm sure in deciding, I mean, between between the consulting work, um, so and then you know, obviously paying the bills, exactly. <laughs> then then it makes it tough um, to what to what hobbies you do have time, and it's still exciting knowing that um, even if we're maybe not listening to your voice, we can go check out your blog, and I think we'll still learn just as many exciting things about the wool industry through the mm -hmm. blog. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'll do my very best to spend so, my time and you, well. <laughs> and I would say, and you've got the equipment so you can do some vlogs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and who knows if, I don't know, if I miss podcasting so much, I can always restart. And Yeah. yeah. Yes, but sometimes you need to kill something to create something new so that's where I'm at right now well I know I very much look forward to 
to the blog and look forward to the last um, podcast episodes, though, <laughs> that you'll produce through the rest of the year. Yeah, and so. hopefully one of them will be with you one more time. Yes, yes. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> Although it won't be as nice as the last one because I must say sitting on your wool couch was has got to be the best location yeah. to do a podcast <laughs> interview. Yeah. yeah, that was good. <laughs> What has, and this is a question that um, I love that you ask so many of your guests, what has your favorite memory been working in the wool industry? Well, for me, because we have to imagine, I sit in Bonn in Germany. I sit actually at home in, in my home office and there's nothing besides all the products of wool that I wear and that I surround myself with. The, like I'm very distant from anything to do with the wool industry. There's also no wool industry here in Bonn, etc. So my favorite moments are actually when I get to visit a sheep farm, because then that's when I feel I can really connect um, in every sense of the way uh, with with wool and the wool industry. Um, and it, it, yeah, I think for some, you know, maybe listeners who who work who own a sheep farm or work on a sheep farm. For them, that's everyday life, uh, being able to see sheep. But for me, it's actually something rare and unique. And, and that's what I really enjoy. And I've had so many amazing opportunities to, to visit sheep farms in Australia. Um, you and I have also visited a few sheep farms in South Africa. And my husband and I always, we joke when, when we go on a holiday that, you know, Usually people come home with pictures of, you know, sightseeing and, and <laughs> selfies and we just come home with a bunch of or hundreds of sheep photos. Um, so, yeah, for me, whenever I see a sheep um, and, and have the opportunity to visit a sheep farm, then I do it. Even on our honeymoon when we went to Australia, we arranged to, to stay on a sheep farm for a couple of days. So... <laughs> That's yeah, my, those are my favorite moments. Yeah, it is. I would say I've been fortunate in that I've lived in in some of the some countries that have a lot of sheep, and so it becomes second nature to be driving down the road and and see more sheep. Um, but remind myself that that's not always the case yeah. for everyone else. So maybe I should send you a few more pictures. <laughs> but that also relates back to what we said um, earlier about, you know, you know, Chantal McAllister or James Brother who take these amazing sheep pictures is that a lot of consumers, I think, enjoy then, you know, seeing such a very different life and seeing seeing this, you know, sheep and, and how things are done in the shearing sheds because it's so different to what they know and, you know, living in a city and just being a consumer. But through this kind of content, you can connect back to the source and get a better feeling for how things are done. And, yeah. Yeah, it really helps them gain an understanding of, yeah. of the lifestyle and... Um, what it takes to to farm sheep it's not not always the easiest career but mm -hmm. I think I think most everybody does say that it's worth it and I'm thankful for the people who say that it's worth it because even though I grew up on a sheep farm 
I still very much work in the wool industry and rely on farmers to continue growing wool. And so Mm -hmm. I think all the people telling those stories helps, helps the entire industry. Yeah, for sure. One other question I thought of for you, mm-hmm. um, since this episode has been so much about podcasts, yeah. <laughs> what is you, what, um, aside from your own podcast, what is your favorite podcast to listen to? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, lately I've been more into audiobooks, to be honest, so it's been a while. Um, I, because my background is communications, I actually like to listen to a lot of um, social media and marketing podcasts so there's one called mm-hmm. social media examiner and then of course there's also that I really really like and it, it's not related to marketing or communications and not tool but it's called planet money and that mm-hmm. one yeah is so interesting because you yeah it looks at so many different ways related to money sometimes even agriculture so I think that's a really, really good one for, for anyone. And yeah, and the other one is online marketing made easy with Amy Porterfield. That one I liked as well. And yeah, I've listened to other ones about blogging and um, podcasting. So I, I tend to stay in kind of the field that I work in and, and that I, I need for my, my own business. But yeah, if, if, Anyone um, who's not interested in those topics could check out Planet Money. I think that one's a good one. Yeah. No, that's good. I think it, I was, I think it is um, one of those things that once you do learn that somebody listens to podcasts, um, then sharing which podcasts and learning about new podcasts um, has been then having the time to listen to all the podcasts sometimes can be, mm. can be tough, but, yeah. um, yeah, and there's yes. new podcasts coming out every day. So I guess it's always worthwhile yeah. checking into iTunes and just having a look what, what is out there and what's new. No, I think, um, and I think they are taking, um, get it, or they're getting out there more, more in the rest of the world. Cause I know I've, um, came across a few um, locally produced one here in South Africa, and so it's mm-hmm. always always be. And then I'm sure there's many in many other languages that I wouldn't be able to understand. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, is has that been difficult to do a podcast in a second language, or because you've done so much business in English, has that came yeah, fairly easily well to be honest i struggle speaking the wool lingo in german because you know things like wool top or scouring those words in german i often have to then learn you know and they're missing then in my vocabulary so i often find it easier to speak in english about wool than in german but of course because yeah German is my mother tongue I, I often don't express myself correctly or um, yeah I notice like the way I ask questions sometimes is, is not the best way but um, 
yeah but in general the the words that we use in the wooden street come more natural to me in english yes i will say i think um i mustn't be the only language because i it's one thing in um south africa afrikaans actually most of the world terms are are english or very similar to the english um translation so When people are talking about wool and Afrikaans, I have a much easier time picking up what they're saying. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, now the German words are often very different. So, um, so wool top is, for example, Kammzug, which is very different um, to, to yeah. the English word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I know... Um, obviously, if people are listening to this podcast, then they must have found you online. But um, if people want to learn anything more about you or learn more about your blog or your consulting business, where might they find that? Yeah, so everything is on elizabethvandelden.com. I also, there's a one page where you can see all episodes on one page because otherwise you sometimes would need to click a lot of times to get to earlier episodes. So if anyone's mm -hmm. interested to, to listen to some of the older episodes that we talked about today, um, it's more easy to find them there. And uh, yeah, when the podcast will um, finish by the end of the year, then I also have to find a little bit of a, I, w I think I will revamp my website as well, so that's something to look out for and um, then yeah my my blog is called wool lifestyle it's wool minus lifestyle.com and otherwise yeah i'm on social media uh, on facebook instagram and linkedin so anyone who wants to connect i would be really happy to connect there ah oh, fantastic Well, it has been great interviewing you for your 100th episode. You did very well. You could take over if you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that could be if, if it was something that you wanted to keep going, then maybe we could tag team and, yeah. <laughs> and each. <laughs> yeah, let's see. <laughs> But I'm not going to lie at the moment. I'm kind of, life is kind of busy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Now we need to stay focused. And yeah. There's so many things we could do, um, and that would also be fun. But on the other hand, we, it's important to stay focused. Yeah, no, but thank you so much, Monica, for taking the time to, to making this 100th episode very special for me. Um, I thought I was actually quite nervous uh, to be talking this much today on the <laughs> I'm quite comfortable at asking questions um, but it's yeah it's different when you have to speak more but I think in the end you made it very easy and I've had very well taken care of <laughs> oh well, that's good because this is my first so <laughs> <laughs> yes it's been great interviewing you yeah thank you and bye bye goodbye I hope you enjoyed today's 100th episode. If you want to find out more about myself, as well as about all the links that were mentioned in today's episode, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 100. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 100. Thank you for listening today. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.